Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ballistic Football Podcast, where real amateurs talk real football. I'm your host and producer, until we find a better one, Matt, and I'm joined this evening by our regular co-host, Jake. How's it going? Yeah, it's been it's been good. Uh, it's been a good last week, I think. Uh, very, 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 very <laughs> good. The best, probably the best it can be. Yeah, I, uh, I can't remember when I've been this excited about Manchester United football. Other than like when I watched it, you know, back in kind of the the glory days of uh, Sir Alex, and maybe the reason I'm so giddy about it is because of the news of uh, Cristiano Ronaldo coming back to the club. Before I get into how excited I am, what what was your reaction when you heard that news? So I woke up to the news where when it wasn't he, it wasn't that he had signed yet. It was um. I think it was that we had entered the race with City. That was the first notifica- notification I saw. When Yeah. And then you see like three minutes later, City have pulled out of the race. And I, I genuinely think, and someone, there was a report citing that their reason was like um, Jorge Mendez. And it's it even said that his conduct, once there was another, once there was an offer for Manchester United, they were not a fan of. So that basically just means that they were probably gouging him for a lot of money saying, we're going to go to Manchester United if you don't. I mean, they may have just straight up said, we're going straight to Manchester United. I, I don't think Man- Manchester City just was trying not to get embarrassed here. And they kind of did. But I'm so, so excited. He's he's going to be our number nine, man. I mean, they were like, number they seven, were all, I should say. City was all in on it. I mean, they... I think they thought they absolutely had it in the bag, and, and it, uh, yeah, it, it made that's so what much made sense. that that made it all that much better in my. Oh opinion. yeah, no, I I I was dreading the day when I would look at my phone and see Twitter notification from Fabrizio Romano saying, "Here we go, Manchester City," because I, I it was so imminent. It just felt so imminent, and. Um, yeah, man, that was just, it was like four hour span of like the business being done. Like apart from like Bruno talking to Ronaldo last night and also like Rio Ferdinand, Rio Ferdinand was going crazy. Like he, the morning, the morning after he posted like a video of him smiling and like yeah, I saw that. a lot of cryptic stuff. Yeah. So he was going crazy and I think he apologized for some of the stuff because some of it was just so outrageous, like in just like. A little blatant at times. I don't know. I mean, Ferdinand's kind of one of those that's always kind of been thought of as, I think, at times over the top. He's very enthusiastic, uh, and he he kind of yeah. was when he was a player as well. So. Well, and Patrice Evra was talking to Ronaldo as well because they were good friends. Yeah, I, Patrice Evra. I miss Evra. Yeah. Now, I it was uh, it was really exciting to me. As a matter of fact, I went to bed. That night after, you know, it looked all but certain for City. And I'm like, United, please just like reach out to him, you know. And it it, it kind of baffled me that there wasn't any talk that United had even tried to approach him. So when I woke up the next morning and actually it was um, a message that you dropped in, in our discord, I was like, I kind of got chills. I mean, it's that that's that tells you kind of how boring my life is. But uh, I don't know. I was I was just really excited. And 
you know, there's that whole kind of nostalgia factor with him coming back. I think for, for those that, you know, when I, when I started watching Manchester United and really got into it, it was back in the days where, you know, it was Ronaldo Giggs, Skulls, um, you know, Nani, a, a lot of Rio Ferdinand, a lot of those type of players. And so it's just awesome to get to see him kind of come back to where he, I would say, he launched his career. You know, once Sir Alex Ferguson brought him on at United, I mean, that's where he really developed into the world-class player he is today. So I, I'm really excited about it. One of the interesting things that I've heard, though, is just kind of how temperamental he could be. And I could argue he has probably every right to be that way. But I kind of heard at Juventus he wasn't wasn't much of a team player. But then again, you know, I see like a Weston McKinney talk about how much he appreciated Ronaldo kind of bringing in under his wing. So there's there's kind of those conflicting reports. And I don't know, maybe maybe Weston's just completely starstruck by him, but I doubt that. I feel like to go out on a limb and say, you know, this guy really took me under his wing, he didn't just go out and say, well, you know, I enjoyed playing with you. Good luck. So do you have any thoughts on, you know, potential drama you think he might bring to the team? Or do you think that's just kind of, to be fair to him, I mean, I feel like the Real Madrid fans before he left really kind of took him for granted because, and and I think he was extremely frustrated with the fans and management there after he, I would argue, poured his heart and soul into playing for for Real Madrid. I think Juventus was kind of like, uh, okay, you know, I'll stop at another team, uh, you know, play there, get some experience, do something a little bit different. I don't know that he was ever that passionate about playing for Juventus. Well, going back to the Weston point, um, I, I also think Weston is just a super incredibly nice and approachable guy. It's probably hard to be like an asshole with Weston because he's just such a nice dude. But no, yeah, R- I, Ronaldo, yeah. The thing with Ronaldo about all this like sassiness and stuff like that people talk about i mean he's probably the hardest working guy at the club like no one's training harder than him no one is trying to win more than him so i i don't know i mean i think that's more of like a leader that you follow like by example so yeah i don't think he's gonna bring any drama i the only thing i would have seen was was we'll see what the squad number situation is between edinson cavani and ronaldo because I would think Cavani, like, they like each other, but those are both, like, big presences. You know what I mean? Like, Cavani in his own right is is a very... Uh... Yeah, and on that topic, though, I had heard that it would actually take United approaching the Premier League and the Premier League, allow, Premier League allowing that change. Now, the argument's mm-hmm. been made, like, well, you're going to make a lot of money if you allow United to transition the number seven back to Ronaldo, but... I also had read somewhere that the Premier League's never done it. So, yeah. do you think that, that they'll I make that happen? I saw a report saying that Manchester United did send like like a request. I think they, these are the kind of circumstances that special dispensation stuff, that's why they put that in here. Because this is just such a massive, out of nowhere, like this is the perfect case for them to use. It. I may be a little biased, of course. 
But I, I, I'm, yeah, no, it's just too much of a marketing, like, I don't know. There, there, money talks, and I'm sure a lot of, uh, like, I don't know who Ronaldo's sponsored by, like, athletic wear wise, but they definitely want that number seven. Like, a, so much Nike. lies on he's his Nike brand. Guy, he? he might be, yeah. But so much of his, his brand relies on CR7 that, like, uh, I, I, I think this is why you have the special dispensation clause because this is why you need it. Crazy I can tell you one thing. Like I'll be getting a Ronaldo jersey regardless of what his number ends up being. So <laughs> The uh, first day or the day we I found out we got him, I wore my old 2007 retro Manchester or Ronaldo jersey. Yeah, I've been seeing those pop up on like my my Facebook marketplace quite a bit and I bet they've doubled the price now that oh, he's yeah, back. <laughs> well, I I think no matter what, you know, he's I think he's kind of on the the downhill side of his career. I think he still performs extremely high, highly. But I th- I also think though too, and having him on the team, you're gaining a level of experience, and you know a guy that your other players can kind of look up to to see that type of work rate and work ethic, and and mimic that, and kind of get that heritage back into the club that I think has kind of been missing as of lately. So. You know, and I, the other thing too is what may curb the drama a little bit is how they approach his involvement with the team. You know, I think about are you bringing him in just solely as a player? Or are you looking at someone that's going to help uh, advise the team? And, and maybe Ronaldo doesn't want that. Maybe he just wants to play, collect his paycheck, you know, be adored by the fans and, and ride off into the sunset. But. I do think there might be a, an aspect of it that, hey, I have so much, this this club means so much to me that I can have the opportunity to kind of impact the development of players and provide input on different things that, you know, maybe at Juventus may not, he, maybe he got that opportunity, but maybe he just didn't care. Yeah, I could see, um, I mean, we see that with like, uh, players like LeBron in the NBA, like he he is definitely part of the decision making process on a lot of their front office moves. So I mean, but uh, I don't know. In the world of football, it, it it might be a little more difficult. And also within the within the Man United like power structure, with with how messed up the the structure is, I don't know. It might be tough. Just and it may it may mess up things upstairs if that is the case. I don't know. I feel like Ronaldo is just focused on playing because that's just, he's here to compete and win trophies. I think Ronaldo's going to be world class for he's still world class. He's been world class. He outscored Lukaku in Serie A. So yeah, I mean, I think he's going to I think he's going to be world class till like maybe another 3 years, the 3 years we have him cuz his workout is just and the way he treats his body is just a different he does, he's not normal, you know what I mean? His aging process probably isn't normal, and that's what he wants. Yeah, yeah. And if there's any guy I'd have my bet to play world-class till he's 40, it would be Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, I mean, he takes really good care of himself. We saw that when uh, he pushed those Coke bottles to the side at one of his press conferences, and I forget how many hundreds of millions of dollars uh, Coke lost value because he made that one action <laughs> in a press conference. I'm pretty sure Manchester United gained 3.7 million followers 
across all platforms the day Ronaldo. Well, on the club's valuation, the market cap went up like $250 million or something like that, didn't it? Yeah. That's insane. I was also thinking, what if the Glazers just wanted to cash out right now? Right? Like, is that crazy to think? I I don't know. I think I think that this club does so much for them. Part of me thinks it's just the status symbol for him, but it also rakes in, I think, a lot of a lot of earnings. So, as much as I would like to see that, don't get me wrong, you know, I, I I doubt it. I think they, in the grand scheme of things, when you can get a guy for, I think you said, the the transfer fee ended up being what fifteen million like 15 pounds, fifteen million pounds plus eight up front and plus eight, eight add ons, and then, or is that uh, euros? I don't even know. And he, I don't know what his salary was stated to be. Four hundred and eighty k or eighty thousand pounds a week. Okay, so I mean that's that's a lot of money, but with the increase in valuation, with the jersey sales, with all the hype around, you know, all these, there's gonna just gonna be so much marketing dollars that they end up just because he signed. That I think relative to the investment they made through that transfer, it's gonna be pretty crazy. So I don't I don't see him cashing out, but who knows? Crazier things have happened. I mean, I never would have thought Ronaldo would have come back to Man United, so. Uh, still kind of on the United topic and something I didn't have slated on our our kind of agenda for today, but since it's been recent, I thought it might be good to talk about this uh, Daniel James kind of transfer situation that's going on. I think he was kind of reading the writing on the wall after Ronaldo joined, wondering what his role would be in the, in the squad, and I, I think that's rightfully so. But the thing that surprised me was is we're now hearing reports that Leeds has offered, I think it was 30 million pounds. Is that right? I saw the figure 28 million pounds. Okay. And I'm pretty sure that's going through, like, or I'm pretty sure it's already went through, maybe? I saw that Everton was prepared to submit a bid, and I. Yeah, and I don't think anything. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Nothing formalized from the Everton. "Quote unquote hijack." I I think Everton just, I think they probably had a brief discussion and just thought, "Are we gonna like try to match their price?" Maybe, but yeah, I I think Everton could spend their money better. I think they, they've got other problems. Well, I, and to be fair, I don't know that he's worth twenty eight million. Yeah, I don't know what all that's about. <laughs> I'm I mean, very confused. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, yeah, I guess Le- just, Leeds is o- okay right now. I mean, they're not. I don't know. Twenty eight million almost seems a little bit desperate, and I don't feel like they're that, in a situation where just, they. I don't know. That kind of shows like the the valuation increase that you get when you go to Manchester United, and you're still like young. Yeah, yeah, he is. He is a younger guy, so a lot of a lot of potential good fo- football coming from him in the future. Uh, one of the other things I want to talk touch on real quick is what happens with City. You know, I think since this Ronaldo deal kind of fell apart, I think they've it seems like they've all but dismissed the Harry Kane situation. Will they revive that, or are they just you know, for lack of better words, screwed at this point? I mean, we got what one day left. Yep. Um, so Harry Kane said he was staying at Spurs. He put out that statement. People were talking about Lewandowski. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that was kind of the only option left. 
I don't think they panic, though. I think they're going to see how they go to January, and that could ultimately cost them because maybe someone's already pulled away by then. Or, or not really, like, pulled away, pulled away, but then you just start, maybe you're at, like, you're already, like, 10 points down in January from the leaders. So maybe that nine would have been a good investment. So yeah. Gab- Gabriel Jesus, I guess there's they're just going to roll with him. And then if they need it in January, they're definitely going to splash the cash on someone. Yeah, and if I if I remember correctly, he had a pretty decent match this past weekend. Yeah, I mean he he scored a, he had a goal against Arsenal, and I think he he had a pretty good last match as well. Gosh, Arsenal is just really struggling. They're they're at the bottom of the table. Yeah, the Arsenal the, documentary is going to be very. Fun. It will it will be. I I am surprised. Arteta's. I'm surprised they haven't fired him yet. Yeah, it's just it's a shambles. I mean, I don't, it it's so hard to just it's just such a huge fall. Looking at the other weekend action, uh, I don't know if you saw that the Chelsea Liverpool draw and the the red card that Chelsea had. I always think this is an interesting topic to discuss because I think there's a lot of people that think a little bit differently about the rule. I don't know if you saw. Did you see the red card? Was it the handball in front of goal? Yeah. So the argument was, and if you just see the picture, it's kind of tough to get the context, but he he went to make a goal line clearance, and instead of instead of it hitting any other part of his body, it hit his hand, and it denied a goal scoring opportunity. So he was red carded, sent off, and then they got a PK out of it. And I think a lot of a lot of folks mention those types of situations because, like, okay, kind of the double penalizing aspect of that play. Not only did the guy get a red card, and it a lot of people felt like it was an accident, but then they turn around and get the PK. They score the PK, and that, I mean, that in essence kept that game at a draw. Do you have any thoughts on on those situations where, you know, it was incidental inside the box and it, it denied a goal scoring opportunity? The team gets a a PK anyway. Weren't they? Wasn't the Premier League saying that with refing they were going to start looking at like intention of things? Yeah, and like, I, I, I could have sworn and like Reese James was not intending to hit that. Like he had his arm right by his leg, from what I had seen. Yeah. So. Did he already have a yellow card? And maybe it's just not even allowed in the rule, bo- rule book just to give him a yellow card. Well, and it like was... Maybe they have to. He, so he... It was a straight red. From everything that I read, he... The ref interpreted the laws correctly as it related to that. So I'm not, I'm not questioning the ref's decision. I think relative to that, he made the right... He re- made the right call. And, the, you know, VAR probably looked over it you know, 15 times, but, you know, in those situations, I mean, you know, there's people that are like, well, do you adopt like a hockey approach and make the guy sit out for like 10 minutes of the next half? Cause it was at the end of the half or do you, you know, does he get, does he get a yellow, you know, I think there's just a lot of people that think there should be something done differently. I don't, I, I I'm fine with keeping it the way it is personally. Well, the, and I'm kind of in the same camp. I just think that leaves it 
so open to subjectivity and interpretation. And, you know, we already, we brought VAR to help eliminate the subjectivity to help get decisions right. I just think if you add this layer of, well, let's figure out what the intent was, or let's have the ref or the video assistant referee determine whether the arm was in a natural or unnatural position, you're just opening a can of worms in those situations, and it doesn't really solve anything. I don't know. I almost wonder in those situations, if he handballed it and it was a a direct goal-scoring opportunity, because there was no doubt he was in front of goal, and it hit his hand on the way to going into the goal, and you could tell that, and now that we have VAR that can watch it over and over and over again, why not just reward the goal and just give him a yellow card and move on? Yeah. Um, I mean that's a pretty ra- it's pretty radical. I'm not it's not perfect, but at the same time like the guy gets sent off because he's standing in front of goal and it hits his hand. I mean Yeah, so you're saying PK and yellow card? Well, either that or just award him the goal. Oh. Uh, yeah, P I'd say PK and yellow card is probably the route I would say to go. Uh but that also is just well no, with intent with no intention. With intention, then yeah, like if you raise your hand above your oh, head yeah. or something, so like you, yeah, that's a red card. You're so you're saying there should be some subjectivity given to the ref to make that determination, and and I could understand yeah, that because since be we have able to determine intention from body movement, well, and since we have VAR too, I mean they can look at it and you know it'd be pretty clear through replay whether or not you felt like that person put their arm in an unnatural position to block the ball from going in the goal. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that makes sense, especially now that we have VAR. I mean, there's a lot of people that hate VAR, but if we have it, might as well use it for something like that. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, like I said, that that match ended in a 1-1 draw. I don't know that there were many other surprising results from the weekend. I will say I was not impressed with United's performance against Wolves. Uh, their their defense struggled, and I think honestly, as critical as people have been about De Gea recently, he had a absolutely stellar game. I feel like anytime we every time we play Wolves, we have a bad game, <laughs> or it ends in a nil nil. Yeah, and it almost did if it wasn't for Mason Greenwood, who's just single handedly yeah, winning us points some games. Like just on like, oh, he's so so good. He's he's been put yeah he's been putting it away. And when Ronaldo comes, he's only going to get mentored better by him. He's already being mentored by Cavani, so I mean, yeah, it's just great. Yeah, going back to that result, like Fred is just so we. I, in my opinion, we should be starting Van de Beek already, and just at, and it's just gonna it's gonna be a different look in the midfield. But what we're doing right now, role wise in the midfield, is just not working out. Yeah, because what really is Fred like? It seems like Fred is just kind of a ball winning midfielder. Who doesn't? Who can only win the ball some nights? Like some nights, his tackling is is incredible, and he and also he's an engine. So this is a guy who can run around a lot and make some tackles, because he's not very good at passing. He's not very good at shooting. He doesn't really like create space. I, I don't know. He does, there's not many positives. At least with Van de Beek, I'm getting positives because Van de Beek creates space. He can play one twos with Sancho on the right side. 
he just he has much better spatial awareness and he'll open up pockets of space his passing is also better and he's also stronger than fred and he can shoot better than fred so i mean like when i look at the positives here vandevik just seems like a much i'm getting more out of vandevik and i think maddich should probably partner next to him and if we keep playing pogba on the left which i don't I don't know what if that's going to happen because when we get Ronaldo in and Rashford's going to come back from injury, I don't know. It seems like that's coming a lot sooner than expected as well. But yeah, I, I think you just need a defensive partner. And we also need, I think we should buy Neves. He looks very good in that game. Well, now that they got like whatever they get from this James sale, might as well. So, but apparently, some of the rumors are that that's that's just to like recover f- the funds from previous transfers, even though we're like the richest club. So, <laughs> yeah, doesn't make a lot of sense. But I think if we get a CDM, we should be winning the cha- We should probably be winning the title, and we'd definitely be Champions League contenders. Do you think Fred's one of those guys that? Is he on the field because he's very technically talented, or you think it's a work rate thing? Because I think it's a work rate thing. He he honestly reminds me of, of Park Ji Sung that used to play for United. You know, See, yeah, he was, Sung was so he was so much better though. But I feel like that was his. That was kind of his. He yeah, I would agree with that. But and to be honest, they had a lot of really good players at that time. <laughs> So, yeah. but I always felt like he, he was a guy that you could, his work rate, there was nobody else that could match him. And so I, there were times where I felt like he was on the field back in the day just to help to try to elevate the overall work rate of the team and just to get some, some movement and maybe create some opportunities where he's providing pressure uh, that leads to mistakes. But I I don't see it to the degree with Fred that I yeah I yeah would see exactly. for sure there are plenty of other guys who have the work rate of Fred like that we that you could just get to run around but Park was just he was so so he was world class work rate like the best uh, and he just had a third lung it was yeah no he is insane and that was a guy who yeah he does he creates a positive for your team but. I don't see how Fred really creates a positive for us. Well, and this is a lesson to our other co-hosts. If you want to come on the show and keep us from talking about Manchester United most of the time, then uh, the (laughs) invitation's open. So just need to stop by and uh, we'll talk about other teams. (laughs) Uh, Dortmund did finally get a win against Hoffenheim, although they, they still looked... Pretty rough. Holland scored in the I think the ninety second minute or something like that, the ninetieth to uh, to win that one. But their defense continued to struggle. Uh, Bayern ended up ended up with a pretty decisive win again, and Depay kept his streak of play running. Uh, positive quality play. Uh, I think he had another goal this weekend, and their two uh, one win over Getafe. Depay is doing very well, yeah. He is, yeah. I think good, <clears throat> it good almost for him. seems like they rely on him a little too much, but yeah. I mean, we'll see. He's just, yeah, he's creating so much. And we probably would get shot if we didn't mention that Messi made his debut in the second half of the PSG game. Um, alongside, he subbed in with one of your and I's favorite United players, Andrew Herrera. 
So. Yeah, also, we should get Herrera back at the club <laughs> instead of Fred. I, I would, was be, saying I, that would love, I would love that. Fred, Fred Herrera is better technically and can do more and can do the same stuff Fred can. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Ex- I think he was extremely underrated when he was at United. But yeah, so uh, I think one of the things I think that will help us transition to the World Cup, the U.S. World Cup qualifying squad is uh, Conrad had a pretty good game for Marseille, from what I heard this weekend. Did he have an assist? Okay, yeah, I yeah he did get an assist. He yeah no that was a great. He uh, laid it back for in the box, just uh, pulled it back to a guy and then finished in the bottom right, I think. So, yeah, I mean, he is just – he's a wide playmaker, man. Like, you just give him – you give him the ball on the left side and he's just – he's got his man in between him and the goal and he's just going to dribble by you and either set up – uh, set up an assist or take a shot for himself. He he is deadly and he just can create just dribbling on the ball. Yeah, sometimes the the ball is just glued to his feet, so it's great to see that he's finally getting to break out. And it it sometimes looks like he has like a world class potential, like when we talk about guys like reaching like Pulisic's or Pulisic's level. You could see Conrad like reaching a somewhat of like a superstar role, and and Pulisic is not he's not, he's not a superstar, but he definitely deserves to be in the Champions League, like being a Champions League to, uh, side. Yeah, so uh, he he was one of the forwards to make the U.S. World Cup uh, qualifier roster. Uh, I won't go through all the names, but I just want to go by positions and, and Jake really get a feel for whether or not you think any of the folks in uh, those particular positions were surprises, any that you feel were were left out or, you know, folks that we may see in the next round of qualifiers. So I guess for, from a goalkeeping standpoint, I didn't – I mean, these – Horvath, Stefan, and Turner seem like no surprise. No surprise. Yeah, yeah. We, there was we all knew there. this was, and yeah, we all knew this was going to happen, and we're totally happy with it. We yeah. have a great goalkeeper situation. And of those, Stefan starts. Would you Would you think that's the case? Yeah, but it's he's on it. He's Matt Turner's right right there with him. Yeah, I well, mean seriously, and, like if Stefan makes a mistake, you could see Turner replace Stefan the next game so yeah i i yeah but maybe greg sees differently he's seen more of matt turner so any any surprises out of the defenders oh yeah big the fact i'm very surprised there's no chris richards on this roster i i'm almost i'm pretty insulted even uh i can't believe james sands made it I, even though he is good enough, and I, I think he provided a lot, and he also can play that CDM role if you need him to, if you want to just get a bigger body in midfield. Uh, I do like them. I like them bringing Sands. I was surprised by Bello. I thought Vines might make the trip, but he didn't. He's getting settled in in his new club, uh, Antwerp. Tim Ream making the roster. <laughs> Chris Richards should have Tim Ream's spot. 
But Greg, I think, just wants them there for veteran leadership. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And and w- there was a video by Watkey on, on Twitter. Uh, and who's like, Watkey is just like everything right now. He, he is the like biggest content creator growing on men's national team Twitter. But he, is, he made a whole thing how he's like fostering uh, Gio Reyna. I th- I'm pretty sure it was Gio Reyna. Like, he's just keeping him in line and, like, making sure he's involved. So that's, like, Tim Ream's job is his babysitter or something. <laughs> well, and they have, I mean, they have plenty of kind of the experience you're talking about in John Brooks and, and Yedlin, so. Yeah, I'm happy they brought Yedlin, too. Yeah, me too. I When he plays well, he's he's really fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. He, no, he could play at the Premier League level, like, at his peak. For sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Shift into midfielders. Uh, any surprises in the midfield? Roll Don's know. probably the biggest surprise for people. Do you think that's a, a play with the match against El Salvador where his brother will be playing for El Salvador's national team? See, I don't think I don't think Greg's thinking about that. I think he just wants he's he is picking who he thinks can win, of course. I don't think I think there are better options. Like Luca De La Torre is a better option. Uh, Sebastian Legette, I personally just do not think adds anything. I think Eric Williamson, who had a tragic injury last night, I would have liked to see him get the call up instead of Legette. But yeah, now now Williamson is injured, so that stinks. But yeah, Legette doesn't. Uh, if if he starts, I also be very mad. But we'll see what happens. I I don't know. I'll be I'll be really surprised if he starts, particularly considering when you look at the forwards and how many of those are. Could know, arguably, what, yeah, no, I want to see Rain in the mid- midfield for sure. Yeah, and now Tim, you got to scratch Tim way off that list because he got injured. Yeah, I mean, there's the forwards that are listed are. It's stacked. It, yeah, yeah, Aronson's in great form. Pepe's in great form. Giorena's looked awesome. Sargent scored that brace recently for yeah. Norwich in a cup. De La Fuente has been playing out of his mind. Aronson, yeah, yeah, I think, I should be a starter. Now, especially that Way is not going to be with us yeah. for this camp, I think Aronson should start right wing. Or Conrad has been playing well enough. But I'm also a fan of Pfock. I'm very happy he brought Pfock. I-, I think Pfock he gives you that height. And he also just he's been he's been tearing it up in the Swiss League. I think I'm pretty sure he's in the Swiss League. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I think Pfock gives you something off the bench that you need. Like, and Pepe is a bigger, he's a taller guy. I think Pepe should start again because I when a guy when a guy is in that kind of goal scoring form that he's in, it may just translate, and and especially against the competition like. MLS is probably up there with CONCACAF in terms of competition now. So is it uh, is it true that, and I think it is, but uh, Pepe could actually play all three of these World Cup qualifiers and still, I think it's four to be cap-tied? Yeah, it's, it's four when it's qualifying, I'm pretty sure. But like in a cup game, like a match, like the Gold Cup, yeah. I'm pretty sure a knockout tournament, like you're capped immediately. So like yeah, well, he's—I don't think he's gonna switch. He's already—he's already put his stuff out. Like unless something drastic happened where he hated this camp, 
but I don't see how I like I think he's gonna love it. I, I think if you just if he just gives it a chance, I think Pepe is gonna yeah. And he's also playing in the youth national teams and stuff like that. I'm just so happy we got Pepe because man, if we lost Pepe it would just be such a bad look. And another great, great get for Greg Berhalter, whose dual national recruiting has been superb. Well, a couple notable omissions. I was not able to make the roster. I have a uh, injured ankle right now, still recovering from that. And then uh, Jonathan Gomez is also not listed on here. So we'll have to I don't hope. think he was really close. We'll have to get uh, – Greg's really going to have to get his act together. So, no, I hope, I hope this group does great. Uh, f- first match is Friday. Is that right? Second? I haven't looked. I've been, yeah, I haven't gotten to look yet. Also, Eunice Musa is, he was out with an injury as well, but apparently now he's okay. He like came back a week early, apparently, or something like that. Like he okay. made a substitute appearance. It was just out of nowhere. So he just missed the deadline. But Musa, I would rather have starting than legit. Because he progresses the ball forward from what I've seen better than Sebastian Legit. Yeah, so it's actually, I'm sorry, I, I can't. Math isn't my strong suit. So uh, September 2nd, Thursday, uh, that's when they play El Salvador uh, to open that up. That'll be in Nashville. And then they'll also be at home again on the 5th against Canada in Nashville. Then they head to Honduras on the 8th. And this is the first three of 14 total matches in the CONCACAF octagonal qualifiers. Honduras is going to be very humid. Yeah, that'll be... Very humid in Honduras. That'll be tough. Actually, I I just got done listening to Orange Slices uh, earlier today, and and they did a reaction to... uh, Well, I think it was supposed to be a reaction to to the squad, but Heath said that they're... The guest that they had slated to come on didn't wasn't able yeah. to make it. Had to cancel last minute. So they just ended up, I think, talking more about kind of their experiences playing in World Cup qualifiers and like traveling abroad. And they mentioned that about Honduras, just how like how humid it was, and you know how they always kind of had to watch where they were going. And even when they were on the youth squads, like they were being escorted around by bodyguards with like ak-47s he's like these countries take their take their football very seriously so yeah that was sorry that was my first uh actually the first episode i've listened to of orange slices so recommendation from they retweeted something that we uh we tweeted out oh yeah a little while back wow yeah something about it was a Eunice musa thing okay that they had retweeted well we're the reason ronaldo went to united he actually uh DM'd us on Twitter <laughs> and was asking for our opinion. So Yep. And we just dropped it in the, just in dropped the DMs it. and immediately news broke. Yep. So Jorge Mendez, look out. Uh, we are coming for you. So a lot to look forward to this Thursday. Well, hey, we've run out of time here on the Ballistic Football Podcast. Remember you can follow us on Twitter at Ballistic Footy or on Facebook at Ballistic Football. Thanks for listening and have a good one.